We are live. Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Let's Rage Cougs, presented by Star Pizza, the uh, uh, lone sponsor of today's episode, Star Pizza, the Houston's best pizza since 1976. We are coming off the heels of the Houston Cougars football team's seventh win of the season, and this is no doubt the most complete performance that the football team has been able to put together, both on offense, which has been red hot for the last, um, I lose track for how many games they've gone, going back to the Memphis game. I think now that it is three straight games in which the football team has scored 40 or more points um, in their previous let me make sure I got that. So they scored 42 today against East Carolina. They've now scored 42 or more points in three straight games. Actually make that four straight games going back to South Florida. And they have scored 30 or more points in six of their um, six, six straight of their last outings. So the offense is completely on another level. But I think the story of this game was the defense, which it finally showed out. It finally had a really strong performance and Overall, when you look top to bottom, I think the biggest difference in this game was that defensive line. They were able to get into the backfield, cause a lot of pressure for East Carolina quarterback Halton Allers, who, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they completely ruined the senior night for the Pirates. But I've been rambling on for a while, so day on Dunlap, thank you for joining me. And what were your overall thoughts of Houston's game against East Carolina? Most complete game we've seen all season from both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively, even special teams played well. And so it was um, looked like a sense of urgency to get this win, knowing that there's still a possibility to, to make it to the title game. And and the philosophy looked like just aired out. And But mm-hmm. the story of the game for me was the secondary. The secondary went up against uh, some good skill positions at East Carolina and a, a veteran quarterback who has a lot of playing time. And they played well, uh, really on all phases, like you mentioned, the defensive line, the secondary, the linebacking core. And so I was very, very impressed with a complete game defensively and offensively. Absolutely. And when you come, when you talk about that defense, I think you got to start uh, with defensive back Jalen Emery. He's been one of the um, players that has really taken the opportunity has been presented by him. You know, Dana Horgerson after the game talked to the ESPN plus uh, TV broadcast and he went on to mention how many that's kind of been the story of the season, um, how many starters are missing on that defensive side of the ball. But one of the beneficiaries of those injuries has been Jalen Emery, who even going back to last week against Temple, he had, as you'd expect from a young player, he had his ups he had his downs in particular it came to me the the final drive or the final full drive for temple where they they had a third and goal Jalen Emery made a perfect play to be able to stop uh the receiver from scoring temple comes back on the next play on fourth and goal they have to convert they target him again and this time he gets beat and Doug Belk talked about how you know, he he probably made the the harder play was probably made on third down where he got the stop. But that's, again, going back to those young players, it's that inconsistency. They'll have good plays. And that's what you want from a young player to show those flashes. Well, in this game, it was more of the same. He had a lot of flashes. He had a lot of good uh, breakups. And overall, like you said, the secondary as a whole did a really good job of, of really be, being active on defense and having a lot of PBUs. Yeah, and it, more good than bad from Jalen Emery today. He looked very impressive. He was in great position on pretty much 80, 90% um, of his coverage. Had a couple of PI calls, but um, yeah. like that's just part of a football, I think. But, 
man, the future, I think, is good. Well, no, just going back to kind of how we got questions of um, should Doug Belk, is his time to um, fire, him. Yeah, fire him and make a change? And, uh, of course, we all was like, no. And uh, things like this show today, um, on the road, a senior night against a, a motivated East Carolina team who offenses been able to put points pretty much all year. And so you come in on senior night on the road and pretty much almost pitch a shutout. That's, I mean, it's very, very impressive. And just looking back from the last couple of weeks, um, you give up, what, 70 to SMU? Then you give up, what, over, almost 500 passing yards to Temple? And then this week you pretty much buckle down and not really give up any explosive plays. And most of those plays, Doug Bilk say it's pretty much just busted coverage. And so it looks like they would handle that aspect of it as far as um, missing assignments. And they were in position pretty much all game. So I was very impressed, very well coached um, game defensively and defensive um, approach going into the game to, to stop that East Carolina offense. Yeah, Wanda, Wanda Pope makes a great comment. Um, the team we wanted all season long showed up today, and I think that's that's been the frustrating thing about this football team all season, and it's something that uh, head coach Dana Horgerson has addressed. It's something that the coordinators have addressed, the players have addressed. Coming into the season, obviously, we all know the high expectations of this team that the players themselves acknowledge, which is something it was a hot topic for conversation a week ago in regards to Dana Horgerson's comments and how those expectations were put across um from outside sources essentially but even today there was a there was a, a double down offensive lineman Patrick Paul he spoke to reporters um and I asked him about you know just being what what did being bowl eligible meant and he said you know obviously it's a great opportunity to be able to qualify for a postseason game and being able to um compete have that extra game with your teammates but he acknowledged it himself their expectations coming into the season were much greater than just one bowl game and it's something that you know, multiple players not just uh paul has acknowledged so i think this is a good and it's hard to say a bounce back performance because they won against Temple. Um, it's certainly a bounce back performance for the defense, like you said, Dayon, giving up 77 against SMU, 36 to Temple, and, and came really close to not being able to close out that game against the Owls. Now, Carlos Alvarez brings up a comment what needs to happen for UH to make the American Athletic Conference championship game? So there's, there's probably more than one scenario. The sim- I'll give you the simplest scenario which essentially means that Cincinnati and Central Florida have to lose out and Houston has to beat um, Tulsa next week in the final game of the regular season that's the simplest way for Houston to be able to make it now currently Cincinnati is playing against Temple and they are up 17-3 on the Owls with about a minute and 29 left in the second quarter so that doesn't bode well now I'm not too sure about the tiebreakers because the American Athletic Conference has an interesting their tiebreakers are a little interesting I haven't been able to look at all the scenarios so currently if we just look at the American Athletic Conference standings Tulane had that they had they absolutely demolished uh, SMU this week and they now improved six and one in the conference. They obviously bounced back huge after the loss to Central Florida. Central Florida had the well, they were on the opposite. They were on the wrong side of an upset against Navy earlier today. The midshipmen able to stun them in in a game where they didn't complete a single pass in that game, which is just wow. absurd to think about. And that is how uh, the Navy midshipmen defeated 
uh, Central Florida. I'm put it on on the screen right now. The current standings in the American Athletic Conference, as you see it there, like I said, Tulane sits at top of the conference. They're six and one. They're nine and two overall. Cincinnati five and one. They are currently playing at Temple. Like I said, they lead it seventeen to three. Uh, with 38 seconds left now in the second quarter. So they look, if they can hang on and win, they would also improve to 6-1 and one. Central Florida with the loss to Navy. They fell to 5-2, and two, and Houston's record has yet to be updated, but they are now 5-2, and 7-4 and four over on the conference. So Houston now tied with Central Florida on third. And again, the reason I'm, I'm not too sure about the tiebreaker save, uh, Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Houston would end in a three-way tie. It, I'm not too sure of those tiebreakers, especially considering that Houston has not played Cincinnati and Central Florida this season. Now, I will make a note of it. Cincinnati will end the season next week against Tulane, which is going to be a really, really important matchup for both of those two teams. Um, and it would be pretty chaotic if it ends up being a four-way tie between Tulane, Cincinnati, and uh, Central Florida and Houston Mount. In order for that to happen, Cincinnati would have to lose to Temple and then go up and beat uh, Tulane next season or next week, not next season. But I think focusing on the Houston's perspective specifically now, you can't really um, put much stock into the season that has been. We've talked about it all season, ups and downs. But something that has really clicked, and Clayton Toon talked about it last week, going back to that fourth quarter in the Memphis game, the offense continued to stellar play. Clayton Toon was able to shake off uh, a bit of a uh, – if you could call it a rough start, it looked like he was, I don't know if he was just amped up too much. Um, he had a few overthrows, one of which would lead to an interception, uh, but he was able to put that in the rearview mirror. And then from that point on, the offense never looked back. Yeah. Outside of those missed throws early, he almost had a flawless game. Um, mm-hmm. Almost had a second pick where he kind of forced it into almost double, triple coverage to tank. But outside of that, he almost had a flawless game. And I, um, just to go back, I was looking at the standings, man. Just thinking about that disappointing loss to Tulane that I mm-hmm. feel like that's the loss that really, really haunts Houston um, in conference because you had them at home. They're down to their third string quarterback and just it was just just a, a win that Houston should have pulled out. And then, I mean, the SM game is what it is, but I feel like that's the game that they should have won and, and could have won. But um, today, man, I was very impressed. Complimentary football, all phases complimented each other well. Um, Clayton really just continued his stellar play over the last four weeks. He's been just balling out. Matthew Golden had a career day. He had over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Tank was tanking. So it really was an overall effort. But we talked about the D-line. We got to give props to the O-line because over yeah. Clayton Toon's um, strong play, he's had a ton of time really just to sit back in that pocket and pick apart the, um, the defense. And so that offensive line has been gelling really, really well. And I think they've been probably the strong part of the offense, the probably the most consistent part of the offense, along with the receivers here over like the second half of the season. Absolutely, for sure. And that offensive line is something that Dana Horton has touched on now for three straight weeks because the offensive line has continued to put together strong performances. He said something, especially early on in the season, where it seemed like they were just out of whack, especially in regards to holding penalties, false starts. It didn't seem like they were you know, one unit and something that Patrick Paul, again, he touched on this week when he spoke to reporters um, was just, you need that consistency. You need to have time to gel. And as the season's gone on, the the offensive line has certainly played better. And I think that's something that, like you mentioned, Dayon, is certainly a testament to the turnaround that the Houston offense has been able to make um, in today's game. In particular, it seemed 
especially and, and this goes back to in the first quarter when he had a few overthrows, the East Carolina defensive line was able to get into the backfield and, and cause Tune to have pressure. And that, that factored into a lot of those overthrows. And as the game progressed, they um, were able to turn around the offensive line as well and then kind of batten down the hatches, <laughs> for the lack of a better analogy, and really give them a lot of time to throw. There was one in particular. And I can't remember if it was in the fourth quarter or third quarter, but they were Houston was towards – their end zone and they did a really really good job at blocking and it seemed like at point they didn't get a completion on this play but Clayton Toon had all day to throw it looked like he even walked a few steps before he unleashed a pass that just was out of the reach uh of the hands of Matthew Golden but but that right there just showed how much he how much time he had and they were pinned down deep and he was able to do that from there that that just shows how strong the game offensive line did have yeah, and Clayton did a great job of his pocket awareness, maneuvering in the pocket where um, – because some of those times they brought an all-out blitz in case zero coverage and the wide receiver was able to beat man-to-man coverage and get open. And, and other times where Clayton may have got a little pressure, he was able to maneuver in the pocket, step up, and still make a throw. And Houston did a great job of executing on third downs. It seems like especially early on, East Carolina just could not stop Houston on third down, and that's what Houston mm-hmm. really excelled at last season. Really, um, they did that again this um, this game, and so it seems like the philosophy really much just it was to air it out. I think they seen maybe see some on film in which they really really attacked that, and their offense really just was almost unstoppable from the the duration of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And one one of the players I did want to focus on, um, you mentioned Matthew Golden. Since coming back from that rib injury, it's been three games now, but he scored a touchdown in each of those games. He's caught or he's accumulated over 100 receiving yards in two of those three games. And today he just continued a stellar performance. And I think it bodes well for Houston going forward uh, for next season and the first year, obviously, in the Big 12 going forward. It looks like Matthew Golden could be – he's primed to be able to step in and fill in those shoes for Tank Dell after this season. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's going to be no really drop-off. You, you go from what Marquez Stevenson to Tank and then to Matthew Golden. Man, that, that receiving core or specifically that one spot um, – Houston has been able to just kind of not um, reload, but just replace mm-hmm. those that position. And so uh, I'm very excited for his growth and, and his availability. Was it last week? I believe maybe a couple weeks ago, whenever his last availability, he was, was last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was able to the media. He talked about during his time that he was away and how it really helped him look at the game, study the game and the game slowed down a lot for him. Now he's able to read coverage and, be able to attack cornerbacks and defenses in different ways versus how he was to start the game. And so it definitely shows how he's more comfortable out there. And he has just that God-given ability to to beat um, cornerbacks one-on-one. Absolutely. And in regards to that receiver position currently this season, the top leading receiver, Nathaniel Tank Dell, continues to really what has become the status quo for him. Nine catches, 176 yards and a touchdown. That was his 14th touchdown of the season, which heading into the final week uh, of the regular season upcoming uh, when they play Tulsa next Saturday. That is something that Tank Dell, he said in the preseason, one of his goals, one of his personal goals was to be able to accumulate 15 touchdowns, and he is one away from that. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get that in the final game of the regular season next Saturday. But overall, just 
something of a trend that it seemed like from the entire offensive line in this game. It seemed like they had, they were open. And even early on when Houston, again, going back to the tune and, and the misses on the throws, it wasn't because they were tightly covered. It was just because they couldn't connect. But it looked like the receivers were running around and they were open whenever they – Every time they had ran a route, it looked like they were just running around green space and it was just tune up to tune to put the ball in their hands. Yep, yep, it, it was. It was pretty much it. Sometimes it would be just two receivers in the route. So that's what's crazy. Yeah. They didn't have like four or five cornerbacks, but in zone coverage and Houston would still be able to get open. And so I don't know what they saw, but um, I love the philosophy going into the game to be able to attack that secondary. And I I thought that East Carolina would have been able to attack Houston secondary, but they weren't. They weren't. They got some really, really good receivers on the other side for East Carolina, but they really just were unable to be effective. And only kind of player that was effective for East Carolina was their running back. And I, I think I'm going to go out and yeah. say he's going to play on Sundays. He's an NFL player. I've seen him play a couple times this season, and he's electric. He's explosive. And if I'm not mistaken, he think he leads the country in explosive plays. And so. Um, but Houston defense, man, they, they play really well. They play lights out, and they just continue to fight, not giving up. De'Anthony Jones came up. He made he had a really good game. Elias Bell was all over the field uh, making some plays, and so it really was a total team effort defensively. Absolutely. On the topic of the defense, and Elias Bell, he should have had a sack too. It looked like he had Ehlers uh, wrapped around. He just couldn't bring him down. I think he, he just – broke he missed uh the that arm tackle that should have been a sack for him but I think overall on the night for that defensive line as we transition over to the other side of the ball they again like I said at the top of the show they were a big reason why Houston was successful on defense and they really not only in regards to being able to have pressure on the quarterback I know like you mentioned running back um freeze Carolina Mitchell he had like you said, he was a one player for East Carolina that was effective. He accumulated 129 rushing yards, but they didn't have a touchdown overall. And really, if if their head coach, Mike Houston, he opted to kick a field goal on fourth and goal from inside the yard line. Potentially, if they go for it, Houston could have um, essentially had a shutout if they if that decision would have been different. But I think their success read these stats because these is a, indicative of how great of a performance Houston's defense had. They held East Carolina to just three of fourteen on third down. Com- conversions on fourth down east carolina was oh of four so maybe mike houston had a, a bad feeling about it had they gone uh, gone for it on that fourth down but the defensive line for houston gets a lot of credit in regards to that like i, I believe i mentioned this at the top of the show they had eight tackles for losses two of those came from the anthony jones he also had a sack and just overall houston had 50 total tackles 22 of them in regards to the de- the defense overall uh, were made by individual players. So I think overall the defense did a good job of something that, that both Dana Horvison and, and defensive back or defensive coordinator Doug Belk mentioned heading into the game. They had to do a much better job at being able to tackle um, when opposing teams threw it short. That was something that Temple really, really killed Houston with a week ago. I believe they had over... I can't remember. They had over 250 yards after catch in that game last week. Uh, Temple did in that game last week. Turnaround this game, East Carolina only had 94. So uh, much improvement for Houston in that aspect, being able to come and make plays. Yep, and make tackles. That was Mm -hmm. another thing that really plagued them over – last couple of weeks when they gave up a lot of yards and a lot of points was missed tackles and missed assignments. So I think the main thing was just 
um, being fundamentally sound, wrapping up, making tackles, and really just knowing your assignment and doing your assignment. And I think I think this is something Houston can build on and will build on even going forward to their next game and then going into their bowl game and then the offseason, specifically with their young players and their ability um, to gain experience and really excel and kind of get better. I mean, you give up mm-hmm. – all the points to SMU, you give up a lot of yards and 30-some points to Temple, and then you bounce back, and, and you really – I, I kind of just feel like they really settled in. I think they mm-hmm. really settled in, and experience really, really um, – it's hard to kind of put into words what it means to to not – to every sport, whether it's football, basketball, whatever case. And it just seems like they were more comfortable out there, no panic. They didn't panic whenever the ball was coming to them. It's just – they just look very, very comfortable out there today. And that could be an underrated aspect, especially in regards to that defense where, like we mentioned throughout the show, it's the injuries that forced a lot of players, younger players, to have to step in and play, get a lot of playing times that they otherwise wouldn't. It's something that Dana Horgerson said post game to the TV broadcast just in regards to, again, going back to the story of the season, how many injuries they've had on that side of the ball. And it could be the growing pains this season that they've had to suffer on that side of the ball, but it could be the benefit for them next year when they have that extra a few games of experience under the belt and I mean to be quite frank it's just, just being honest something that Dana Horgerson himself has acknowledged they're going to be facing off against much t- tougher uh, competition next season in the Big 12 so if you have to get thrown in the fire it's a good season to do it in their final year in the American Athletic Conference now a couple of things in regards to just uh, injuries um, in particular to quarterback Clayton Toon, because in the second quarter, right before halftime, uh, he rushed for a first down, set up a first and goal from the five yard line inside East Carolina's five yard line, and he took a hit. Uh, it seemed like he just landed uh, with too much force on that left shoulder, and he went, he was taken out of the game. He went into the locker room early uh, before everyone else, before the halftime period ended. Now, he did come back in the third quarter and he finished the game. He looked, I mean, he looked great he came back and he threw for a couple more touchdowns in the second half but I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on head coach Dana Horgerson told the ESPN plus crew that you know it's something that uh, they don't expect it to be a long-term issue and uh, Joseph Duarte of the Houston Chronicle um, has reported that they're going to have precautionary x-rays on him done um, but he's also reporting that that's something that Clayton Toon has been dealing with a sore left shoulder for most of the season so he said, tune status is nothing for alarm. It's what Joseph Duarte of the Houston Chronicle said. In regards to injuries, Hogerson also said that Hassan Hippolyte is likely done for the rest of the season, according, once again, to the Houston Chronicle. So, again, that, that growing list of injuries on the defensive side of the ball continues. Hassan Hippolyte has been one of the players that has missed a couple of games the last few uh, weeks for Houston, but just overall there in regards to tune, we got to see a little bit about Lucas Coley and in regards to, I mean, he didn't really get a chance to showcase uh, a lot. He didn't get a chance to, to throw the ball around, but um, him being able to come in there and, I guess he's one for one in regards to plays. He handed it off to Brandon Campbell and he was able to take it for the five yard touchdown, but that's something to keep an eye on. And it's good. that It doesn't look like it's going to be a long-term thing for Clayton tune, because obviously next week it's going to be the senior night for this 
year's class of seniors, and he's been able to put together a strong performance for Houston the last few seasons. So uh, it'd be really, really, um, I mean, honestly, it would just suck if he wouldn't be able to play in his senior night next week. But hopefully that's not the case and everything's good. And it was just a scare in regards to that aspect. Um, before we start to kind of wind things down, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode of Let's Rage Cooks, talking all things between Houston, East Carolina, and that is Star Pizza. They are Houston's best, best pizza since 1976. They are open for lunch. And be sure, if you are interested in going and getting a pizza, be sure to visit them at www.starpizza.net. But in regards to, once again, just overall, this performance, it's top to bottom, a complete game. It's something we've seen in the comments that uh, they've been asking for, this complete game performance. I think this is good momentum to carry over against Tulsa. And even if, because obviously in regards to all the qualifications, to the, the slim chances to be able to qualify for the American Athletic Championship game, if they are able to finish off on a strong note and follow up this performance with another strong one against Tulsa, a Tulsa team, to be quite honest, they're not as good as East Carolina. Houston was able to dominate East Carolina in this fashion. It's something that it's going to have good carryover momentum, again, especially for those young players heading into next year and to the first year of the Big 12. Yep, yep, yep. It's gonna have strong and um, man, Clay too. Man, he's been showing his toughness. I'm pretty sure he probably went and got a shot at the halftime to to, to be able to finish that game because he really mm-hmm. didn't look as if that that he was hurting or anything was bothering him, and he actually g- took another hit to that shoulder yeah. where he fell right on it and got right up, and he was kind of agitated. I don't know what it was, what it was with the offensive I line. I think it, it looked like he was agitated with um, the receiver. I can't remember who the receiver that – I think it was – I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Peyton Sawyer, but yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it was Sawyer. But he had the ball in his hands. It should have been a catch. Like, that was a that was a really good throw with pressure coming, bearing down on him. He put it right in both of his hands. He just wasn't able to come up with the catch. But I think that's what the frustration was about. Uh, but I'm obviously, I'm, we're not too entirely sure. Yeah, but, man, Clayton, man, I, I've loved what I've seen from him. He's He's been a great leader, um, a great thrower of the football 95% of the time. I'm over this last, what, four games. Yeah. He's been playing really well. He's picking and really more impressed with his pocket awareness. I mean, early in the season at times he was antsy and would roll out too fast instead of stepping up and letting the play develop, in which times today he would make the right movement in the pocket and step up and make a throw or step outside and extend the play. And everything he did today was like right on, on cue, right on par to keep the game, keep a play alive and make a huge play in. Man, outside of those early um, missed throws in which he has receivers broken on me, he almost played a flawless game. And so hats off to Clayton Toon to continue to play. I really, really hope that um, – which I'm sure he will be able to play next week and really just ball out in his last game in Houston at TDECU Stadium. And what could potentially be his last game ever uh, for the Houston Cougars, uh, depending on what he decides to do if in a potential bowl game. 
Um, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on. And as we start to wind things down, give a final rundown of the stats once again. So Clint Toon finished 32 of 44 passing, 435 yards. He had four touchdowns at one interception early in the first half. And when it comes to the receivers, no surprise, Tank Dell among the top once again for Houston. He had nine catches for 176 yards and a touchdown. Receiver Matthew Golden was right there with him. He had eight catches, 127 yards, two touchdowns. Tejon Henry, the third leading receiver for Houston. He had, he's someone we haven't talked to uh, about much in this um okay. In this episode, but he had a really good game, a really good bounce back in just a second game back uh, since the the surgery he had in early October. But he had four catches, 56 yards. He also added um, 20 more yards through the ground. He also had a touchdown. Brandon Campbell, he only had two rushes, two carries for 17 yards and a touchdown. Clayton Toon led Houston in rushing with six uh, run attempts for 43 yards. And um, just overall, once again, a strong performance for the offense. And what I did want to segue, something that, that Dana Hogerson said, um, he told the TV broadcast towards the end in his postgame interview, he said that Clayton Toon is going to be a player, he's going to be playing in the NFL next year. And I just wanted to get your two takes on that um, and what potentially his path could be for that next step. I think it's a potential. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play in a senior bowl um, or one of those senior bowls. I think, I think he said he was playing in, in an All-Star. I don't know if that's the, the senior bowl yeah, or another of, one. Of, yeah. Yeah, and so I think he has potential to do so. Um, but he has to continue to show. I think his inconsistencies throughout his career is something scouts will take note of. But his resilience and his toughness and his athletic ability and ability to throw the football is something I'm sure scouts would be interested about. And so I think there's definitely a possibility. I, in my opinion, I, I can't say that. Oh, he's for sure a lock NFL quarterback. I, I'm mm-hmm. not going. I don't. I don't. I don't know about that. I definitely think there's potential there, and he could potentially play his way into being maybe a, a late round draft pick or even if he doesn't get drafted I can I will say I think he played well enough to for sure get invited to a rookie mini camp on somebody's rookie mini camp roster and play in the preseason and potential earn a roster spot and so I think he's definitely going to have his shot and what he does with it and when it comes uh, is yet to be seen but I think he'll have an opportunity to um, earn himself a roster spot potentially even be drafted For sure. And on that note, once again, the final score, Houston complete domination over East Carolina. They beat the Pirates 42 to three in in um, Carolina, in North Carolina for the final road game of the season. Houston has one game left in the regular season is going to be next Saturday yet to be decided when the kickoff will be, but it'll be in the evening, either six or six 30 PM. That official time is yet to be announced. Senior day fan appreciation will be against Tulsa. Houston will be looking to finish the season eight and four and six and two overall against American athletic conference opponents. One final scoring update, Cincinnati and temple. They're currently in halftime and Cincinnati still leads Owls 17 to three so that's something to keep an eye on once again for slim hopes that houston still has in making at being one of those final two teams and make it into the american athletic conference championship game uh things will get much more difficult if cincinnati uh comes out victorious in that outing but it's not completely over yet because it's going to be a guarantee that one of either tulane or cincinnati even if tulane even if cincinnati wins this game one of those two teams will finish six and two in conference as well. So if Houston, UCF, and 
whichever, regardless of the school, Tulane and Cincinnati end in a three-way tie. I'm not sure of what the tiebreaker scenarios are in that, but that might be an interesting case as well. But for all we know, it could be a rally for Temple. So that's going to be a game once we finish here that you guys, from a Houston perspective, are going to go and keep an eye on. Dan, I'm going to toss it over to you. Where can people find you? And what will you be looking for in next week's regular season finale? Well, first, I'll be looking um, at next week's finale. Clayton Tone, man, I, I hope he comes out and has a career day. He um, threw for over 400 yards again today. So I hope he comes out, continue his style of play. But not only that, I'm looking for Matthew Golden to continue to build on his uh, awesome performances that he's had since he's come back from injury. And so, man, I just hope the defense um, continue to excel as well. But you can find me on all social media platforms at Dayon Dunlap. Thank you guys for joining us here on this Saturday where you could be doing anything else, but you're joining us on Let's Rage Cools. We highly appreciate it. Make sure you follow our social media and um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Absolutely. That's the perfect segue uh, because the Pod Slammy Jamma YouTube channel is just five subscribers away from hitting a 500 subscribers, which would put us exactly halfway to the road to a thousand. So if you are watching us here on Houston Rombo Review or listening uh, on next day on Spotify, Apple Podcast Audio, or wherever else you may be getting your audio only version of Let's Reach Kooks, please be sure to go to YouTube and search up P-A-W-D space S-L-A-M-A and then another space J-A-M-A on YouTube and you'll find really Houston coverage on football, men's basketball, and women's basketball that you're not going to find anywhere else in regards to the Houston Cougars. Um, we just had, if you go to that, um, to, if you go to our channel right now, you'll have post-game availability from the Houston men's basketball team following their win against TSU, against Texas Southern, and really um, most of the teams this season with the exception of St. Joseph's. And you don't want to miss it because tomorrow there will also be post-game coverage of Houston's game after Oregon because I have to go on flight and catch uh, a flight to be there in Eugene. So that's really exciting on behalf of Gallery Sports. So there's going to be a lot more coverage in regards to the Houston Cougars men's basketball team that, once again, you're not really going to find anywhere else in the city of Houston. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Ayanas underscore five. And once again, thanks big Props, big thanks, I should say, to Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review for allowing him to use his platform here on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. Once again, the final score, Houston defeats East Carolina 42-3. to They'll be back at it next Saturday, either 6 or 6.30 p.m. at TDCU Stadium against Tulsa. And that is going to do it for this episode of Let's Rage Cougs.